Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It is wonderful to be with you this morning. Um, you know, I, um, I had the privilege of, of traveling uh, to a, a number of places recently, and, and everywhere I went, um, I, I love the fact that we are one in Christ. Amen? Amen. I absolutely thank you. Um, so as I was meditating on uh, what, what to say to you this morning, how to greet you, uh, the text that the Lord gave me um, is out of Ephesians chapter 4. But before I get to that text, I want to send greetings from uh, my church, uh, Gulf Coast Community Church, Brandon. So if you ever make it down to Tampa, the Tampa area, uh, know that there's a church that would love to welcome you. And you have brothers and sisters there who would uh, open the arms wide open to you. But let me read to you from Ephesians. Uh, this is an amazing text. Uh, there, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now think about that for a moment. I'm from Tampa, you're from Corning, New York, and we have brothers from Vietnam, and yet we are one. Isn't that amazing? One Father, one God, one church, one body. And so that's just an amazing thing because of Christ Jesus, our Lord. So uh, thank you, Alan, for uh, inviting me to, to come and meet your congregation and uh, minister to you your congregation this morning. I want to take a moment before we get to our text. We're going to be uh, looking at Ephesians, uh, Galatians chapter 2 this morning, but I want to share with you uh, a little bit about my story and uh, why I am, as, as Pastor Allen had, had mentioned, what I'm preparing to do, just to give some context, and it would explain uh, why I chose this text uh, to preach. I was raised in... Uh, in a Buddhist family, and I came to, I left Vietnam when I was 11 years old, and so for generations our family was Buddhist, parents were Buddhist, grandparents were Buddhist, as far as you can go back. Never heard of the gospel, never heard of Jesus Christ. In fact, the only time that I heard of the name Jesus Christ was when somebody was making a joke about Jesus Christ. So never heard the gospel. So in 1979, my father organized this trip to take the whole family out of the country on a little boat. And a week later, we arrived in Malaysia. We were taken to a refugee camp. And it was at that refugee camp where they, when you come, they give you a foot and a half of space by six feet, basically enough for you to lie down at night to sleep. We have nine people in our family, and so we were given about 13 foot by six feet. That was our part of the world. One day, somebody came by and placed the Gospels in that little space. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John bound it together as a book. We didn't know who it was, placed it on our little space, our little corner of the world. My mom picked it up. Asked my dad, where did you, who gave us this book? My dad said, I don't know. It was just there. But my mom picked it up, started reading, and she just could not put it down. It transformed her. All her life, she had been asking the question, had a lot of spiritual questions, a lot of spiritual hunger. And so that brought her to seek the answers to these questions. And she would go for one religion after another and was never satisfied until that little book that she picked up and all of these questions that she'd been asking all her life were beginning to be answered by that book. And so she uh, couldn't put it down, kept reading, 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 and in the few months that we were in the refugee camp, my mom estimates that she read that book more than 30 times. More than 30 times. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and then, back again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So every two and a half days, she read the Gospels from cover to cover. So over 30 times. So she, as she was reading the book, she would gather her kids, and she would 
tell us the stories that she was reading. She was transformed by these, by the gospel. So I was mesmerized, but I was still a kid. And uh, a few months later, we arrived in uh, Minnesota. We were sponsored to come to Minnesota. And uh, uh, so a church gather would um, take us to church on the weekends. And on the weekdays, they would send somebody to our church to teach us English. And then along with that, a Bible story. And at the age of about 13, I became a believer. All of a sudden, I was watching this Jesus movie on TV. And everything became alive to me. I understood for the first time that Jesus did that for me. For me. Not just in general. Not just, you know, these amazing stories. But what Jesus did, he did it for me. And so I remember going up to my room and and, um, started crying and thanked the Lord for uh, doing that for me. And so that transformed my Life. In fact, it's so incredible that my mom wrote it. My mom wrote a book. At the age of 78, she published her first book. Isn't that amazing? It's so inspiring. So she put it, I mean, all the stories, how the Lord, she went, looked back, now that she's 79 now, but she looks back in her life and she saw how God moved in her life, throughout her, her, her life. Now that she's a believer, understands, and she looks back, and so she records uh, all these stories of her life in this, this book as a testimony to the amazing work that God has done in her life. And, and uh, I appear on page uh, 45, by the way. <laughs> but you will be blessed. I just brought a few copies out there. So uh, if you want to buy one, that would be, uh, uh, you will be blessed by that as well. In fact, this is so amazing. I, I read books very slowly because I'm used to reading the Bible very slowly. And so, but this book, I made it through. It's over 300 pages, and I made it through it in, in two and a half days. And I was so blessed by it. So, anyways, it's available. So now I'm preparing, I've been ministering uh, in the state for 25 years as a pastor of different churches. In fact, the, the church previous to this church that I'm a pastor of now is also Grace Community Church in, in Bradenton, Calif- uh, Bradenton, Florida. Um, so I've been doing that for 25 years, right by with, with my wife. But the Lord is calling us back to Vietnam. I came out of Vietnam as a Buddhist, now coming back to Vietnam as a Christian. And not just as a Christian, but training pastors for the ministry, because the need is incredible. The Christianity is growing really fast, um, amazingly well in Vietnam. In 2013, I began going to Vietnam to provide training, and at that time, there were fewer than 1% of the population, 98 million now, 98 plus million. Uh, At the time, fewer than 1% is Christian. Now, it has doubled within less than 10 years. That population has doubled. Uh, So now it's less than 2%. And um, just to give you an idea, back in the north, you know, I'm going to Hanoi, which is the capital of Vietnam, up, up north. When the war ended in 75, there were fewer than 30 churches in the north. Today, there are more than 1,000 churches, more than 1,000 churches up north. And yet, only 50% of those churches have pastors. All right, so... 50%, about 500 of them do not have, have a, a pastor to care for them uh, directly. And so the need to raise up pastors and train leaders is incredibly great. But by the grace of God, in 2013, the government, this is a, a communist country, the government allowed the North Church, the Northern Church, to open a Bible school, Hanoi Bible College. And so it's a four-year Bachelor of uh, uh, Biblical Studies uh, degree. And so where they can train pastors and train future leaders for the churches in, in, uh, in the north, which is an amazing thing. And so I will be one of the faculty members. I have a responsibility of teaching uh, biblical studies as well as being the pastor of the students. So I have a dual role uh, there. And in 2018, they were able to graduate their first uh, uh, group of students. So right before COVID, right? Basically, right before COVID, they were able to graduate the first graduating class 
so the need is great. The need is great. But by the grace of God, the school is there. They're responsible for the thousand plus churches up north to provide the training there. So I, I just, I would not, you know, if you asked me a few years ago, uh, do I imagine myself being given the permission to teach in Vietnam officially? I would say no. But not only that, will I be given that permission, but I will also given, be given the permission to preach the gospel in Vietnam. I would be licensed officially by the government to preach anywhere in Vietnam, um, which is absolutely amazing to me. So by all, all that, by the grace of God. So Lord willing, uh, if everything come together, um, we're still in the process of fundraising. Uh, it's going well. It's progressing really well. We're at a little over 80% right now. Uh, we gave ourselves 100 days to fundraise 100% of our support. 100 days, which is very aggressive, if you know anything about missions work. Uh, but the Lord is, is providing, so we're very, very grateful for that. So July 4th is the goal that um, we will be going to Vietnam and serve at least a minimum of five years. That's the commitment we've made to the Bible College. So if you could uh, pray for us, that would be wonderful. All right, um, let's pray and let's get to our text this morning. Father, it is wonderful to, um, to be together, Lord, with your people in Corning this morning. Lord, it is because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of his life and death, and resurrection now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for his church, interceding for us, Lord, that I am in your church among my brothers and sisters and <clears throat> among with the brothers in Vietnam. Lord, we are one. You are our Father. We are one church, one body, the one spirit who lives in us, Lord, we are just so grateful for Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for this one word that you have given to your people, the Bible. So Lord, now as we turn our attention to this text, we pray for your blessings. We pray that you would bear fruit in our lives through this text this morning. Give us ears to hear and hearts that embrace, Father. We need this truth from your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, our focus this morning is Galatians 2, verses 15 and 16. But before we go there, I want to give you a context so that you under, uh, know the context. It's important. Uh, Paul preached the gospel in Galatia. You'll find that in Acts chapter 13 and 14. He, along with his team, were traveling. They were preaching the gospel. They end up in Galatia, which is now in modern-day Turkey, this little area. And they began preaching the gospel, and as a result, churches were birthed out of that. So there are a number of churches. We don't know how many. We know that there was more than one church in Galatia, because when he wrote the book to the Galatians, he says, to the churches in Galatia. So it's a plural. So a number of churches there. So he was there preaching the gospel. Now, if anyone is to preach the gospel, you know Paul was the man, right? The man who could preach the gospel perfectly, it would have been Paul who preached it. And so these people heard the gospel, embraced the gospel, became believers, and yet they could not stay. I don't know how long he was there, but he could not stay there forever. And so he left the area, and the next thing we know, there were false teachers who went into the area and began teaching a different gospel. And so Paul had to address this issue. In fact, we read it in verses chapter 1, beginning verse 6. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So Paul leaves the area, and soon after, people came in, began preaching a different gospel. They began to distort the gospel, and Paul made it very clear that there's only one gospel. 
If you deviate from that gospel, you are really leaving the gospel. You are, dis- you are deserting him, he says. So this is serious business, right? This is not like, oh, that's bad theology. Let's tweak it a little bit. Let's change it. No, this is uh, you're leaving Christ. And that's the context that we're dealing with. So Paul was very much indignant. And that what they were saying in particular was that you needed to be circumcised in order to be justified before God. Faith in Jesus Christ is not enough. Faith in Jesus Christ plus something else, human addition, human works, human labor, is what was needed in order to be justified. In this particular case, it was circumcision was the grounds of their justification. So Paul was very indignant. Out of all the letters that Paul wrote, he was a very humble man. And yet when he wrote this letter, you could see how angry he was. In chapter 3, verse 1, he, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians! Exclamation mark. You can see his emotion there. And then a few verses later, he says, Are you so foolish? Question mark. That's how he addresses these Christians because they are in grave danger of, of being lost. And then in chapter 5, he says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That's what he says in chapter 5. So you got really strong emotion here, and, and there's a reason for that. It is because eternity is at stake. There's only one gospel. You, you leave that gospel, you will be lost forever. And so that's the context of this letter. So now let's take a look at our text this morning. Paul says, verses 15 and 16, I, I would call this the heart of this book. Verses 15 and 16, he says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. To be justified is to be declared righteous before God. You're either righteous or you're not righteous. So you need to be declared righteous to have eternal life in the kingdom of God. And Paul makes it very clear what justifies a person in this text. One of the things that I think, you know, God usually does not work on your heart overnight. Amen? When he calls you to do something, he typically... uh, he doesn't do it overnight. It, it takes some time. Uh, he moves you through different c- circumstances. And, and my wife and I moving to Vietnam uh, is no exception. Um, our call to Vietnam is not, did not happen overnight. In fact, there are some significant events that happen over our lifetime that lead us to this moment. But I would say among those events are two things that happen in 2019 that impacted my life significantly. And it has nothing to do with COVID. The first is this story right here. This young lady, her name is Mi, and she's Vietnamese. And in 2019, people in Great Britain discovered a refrigerated truck with 39 bodies in it. They were frozen to death. And me was one of them. These are people who tried to, well, paid a lot of money to be snuggled out of Vietnam into the Europe in order to seek a life for themselves and for their family. And so they were put into this refrigerated truck, apparently to avoid detection, apparently, when you are in a refrigerated truck, certain radar 
cannot scan the body heat, apparently. And everything went south, and me was one of them. And they were all Vietnamese. But let me read to you the one part that really killed me. I wept for me multiple times. I still grieve for her, even today. Here's what happened. Her family have shared texts she sent to her parents. So imagine 26 years old. I have a daughter who's 23. I look at me and I say, that could be my daughter. And I imagine my daughter in that truck. Right before she died, she texts her mom and dad. And so here's the article from the BBC. It says, her family have shared texts she sent to her parents, which translated read, I am really, really sorry, mom and dad. My trip to a foreign country has failed. I am dying. I can't breathe. I love you very much, mom and dad. I'm sorry, mother. End of text. That was the last text to her family. I read that, and I wish the text did not end there. I wish there was another text. I'll tell you what it is later, what I wish for. Not only did me die in such horrible condition, but it grieved me that she did not know Christ. Only 2% of the Vietnamese know Christ. If she had known Christ, I think there would be another text. The second story that impacted me a lot in 2019, which is now pushing me to Vietnam, is a story that I will tell you later at the end. But what we have in our text this morning is a message that the world needs to hear. Not only you and I, because it's in our Bible, but this is a word that the whole world needs to hear. This is the heart of the gospel. And so I want to take a moment and let's unpack it together with you. I see two things in our text. Number one, what the world needs to hear, verses 15 through part of verse 16. That's the first portion of this text, what the world needs to hear. And then secondly, what the world needs to do, okay? What the world needs to do, the rest of, chapter, of verse 16. And then I want to make some applications for us this morning. So that's my outline for us. First of all, let's take a look at what the world needs to know, verses 15. 15 and part of 16. Paul says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And then later, he says, by, Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, Paul begins by contrasting the difference between Jews and Gentiles. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth, by the we there, he means himself and Paul and other Jews who had put their faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? But he contrasts a difference between Jews and Gentiles, and it's important for us to understand the contrast. Because what we have in common between the Gentiles and the Jews is that a sense of right and wrong. A sense of morality, a sense that there is a God and God expects something from us. As human beings, we have a desire to do what is right. Both Jews and Gentiles, because it is in us, it is part of our DNA. So when Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 2, in Romans he says, When the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, 
even though they do not have the law, they, know, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. So part of our DNA as human beings, God has placed it in us, is this desire, a sense that there's a law, there's a standard that we must abide by, and we have that desire to obey that, to do what is right. But the difference between Jews and Gentiles is the Jews have revelation. They know who God is. God has revealed himself to them, and they have the law. It's spelled out for them. They know what God expects. And yet, the Jews, Paul says, what they knew is that the law cannot justify them. So even though they have the law, they know who God is, they have the law, they know that the law would not justify them, and that's very important for us to understand. Because if the law is able to justify us, then what the world needs is the law. Amen? And yet it does not justify us. And so he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying to us is, the key to being justified, to be made right with God, the key to be declared righteous before God is not the law. Because if, if that's the case, then we need to tell people the law. That's, that's not the case. In 2013, I began going to Vietnam for the first time, and I met a lot of people who were wowed at the fact that I'm from America and I go to Vietnam. And they would communicate how much they would want to go to the U.S. Because to them, the key to their happiness is the U.S. You come to the U.S. and you're happy. The U.S. is the answer to your happiness. And then the last time I went back to Vietnam was 2019 before COVID. And that's not the case anymore. People realizing that that's the, the, the key to happiness is not the U.S. Because they've seen so many people who are not happy. As, as great as this country is, the U.S. is not the key to people's happiness. Amen? And that's what Paul is saying. The key to your justification, Galatians. He's writing now to Christians. Okay, you've got to remember this. These are Christian churches, and he has to tell them this. So it applies to us, not just the world, but to us here at this church. The key to your justification is not found in your ability to obey the law. But rather, the key is found in your faith in Jesus Christ. And so what is, the, what is it that the world needs to know? The world needs to know this message. Because as human beings, we have this desire to do what is right. And so religions of the world wants to show you what to do to be a good person. Right? When I was, I was raised a Buddhist, and to be a good person in that culture meant that you need to do what is good. Right? You can't kill. You can't even kill an ant. And so I was raised starving all the time. When I was in college, I went to the dentist, and the dentist discovered these gaps in my teeth. And he explained to me that that was when you were starving. You were starving, and that's what happens to your teeth as it grows out. And so I grew up starving all the time. The whole time. I mean, all the time. Going to bed hungry was the norm. But you know something? We had a lot of chicken. And my mom would not kill the chicken because she wanted to be good. 
killing means that you're not good, and therefore if you want to be good, you cannot kill. And now as a Christian, she looks back and she regrets those years that she believed those things. The world seeks to be good through their action in order to be made right with God. And so the world needs to know that that's not the case. There are 7.88 billion people in the world today. And every single one of them need to know that. They're not justified before God because of their ability to obey. That's not the key. The key is not their goodness. Because if it's the key is their goodness, then we need to help them be good. Amen? But that's not the key to be righteous before God. The key is not the law. The key is Jesus Christ. So Paul makes it very clear. Them, him, Paul, Peter, every Jew needs to know that the key to being made right with God is not through the law, even though they were given the law. The key is faith in Jesus Christ. So that takes us to part two, which is what the world needs to know or needs to do. The world needs to know that the key is not the law, but the world needs to also do something about it as well. So we see that in verse 16b. So let me read to you the whole text again. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also, this is what the world needs to do, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So as a Jew, Paul came to a point where he realized that the key is not obedience to the law, and you remember how Paul was obedient to the law. He had to abandon all of that. He had to do something else. And he, find, he unpacks that for us here. He uses the word believe and the word faith. So what the world needs to do is the world needs to believe in Jesus Christ, or put it differently, the world needs to have faith in Jesus Christ in order to be justified. Now, what does it mean to believe? The word believe means to think to be true, and it implies trust. Okay? So two components. You think something to be true, but it also means you imply you're trusting in that truth. Let me give you an example. Jesus says in John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him, that's the word, believes in him, should not perish but have eternal life. So the word believe there contacts me. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Right? Do you believe that God sent his son into the world for this, that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that? Do you think that to be true? But then he goes on, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So that's another component of belief. Do you think that to be true? Do you believe that to be true? That in order to be saved, you have to go through his son. Do you think that to be true? Then he goes on. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the son of God. So the first thing to, be, to believe means to think that to be true. To believe that it is true. God sent his son into the world. His son is Jesus Christ. To save the world. And to believe that only through Jesus Christ 
can you be justified before God? So that's the first component of what it means to believe. But the second component, to entrust, to entrust yourself to that truth. Okay, because we know that demons also believe in the sense that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They, they see him and they say, you are the Son of God. Right? They, they, they know that he came from heaven. But there's another component that we must have and the world must understand. And that is to entrust themselves to that truth that they can only be saved through Jesus Christ. I like to use the illustration of a hammock. Right? I don't know how often you use a hammock up here in Corning. Right? Maybe some of you have it. But in Florida, there's plenty of opportunities to use hammocks. But there's a way to use a hammock, because, and there's a way not to use a hammock. Because a hammock is designed to be used a certain way, right? Sometimes you see people use the hammock by just sitting on there in the middle, on the hammock, and then their feet will be on the ground, all right? Or they would sit like this in the hammock right here, and then their feet will be on the ground. But the hammock is not designed to be used like that, amen? The, the hammock is designed to be used where you put all of your body, all of your weight onto the hammock. And then you can relax and enjoy. All right? So that's a picture of what it means to entrust yourself to this truth. That you can only find salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you put yourself all completely, completely into Christ? He alone. He does not need any help. Get your feet off the ground. Get your feet off the ground. And trust yourself completely to Jesus Christ to save you. And so what the false teachers were doing was they came along and said, No, you need to put one foot down. Put one foot down. You need to do something in order to be saved. And Paul said, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. You believe that and you are lost. So the world needs to know that only faith in Jesus Christ can justify them before God one day. But the world also needs to do something, which is Believe, putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. So this is the greatest need that the world has today. We often think about world peace. It's wonderful to have world peace. Amen? It would be a wonderful world to have that. But that's not the greatest need that the world has today. I tell my friends in the Ukraine... They would completely agree that what you, the Ukrainians need, it would be very nice for Russia to leave the country, leave them alone, and have peace. But that's not the greatest need that you, the Ukrainians have. The greatest need that the Ukrainians have is the same as the greatest need that everybody else has, which is peace with God. The greatest need that the human beings, human beings have today is not a solution to global warming, not the cure to COVID, but it is peace with God. And that's why this message is so important. And that's why this is, that takes us to the application for us. Let me give you three applications that, to consider this morning. Number one, this is a truth that you must embrace yourself. I don't want to assume that everybody that I would be preaching to understand this truth or embrace this truth because I understand that human beings is a very, very difficult truth to understand and embrace. But this is a truth that you and I need to understand and in embrace. Only faith in Jesus Christ will justify you. In fact, this is such a difficult thing for human beings to understand that you find this truth addressed throughout the New Testament. 
The book of Galatians, Paul spends the whole book because of this very issue. And again, the churches in Galatia that he wrote this to were Christian churches. Right? So they attempted, like you and I, to turn back to our own conduct, to rely on that, even if it's just a little bit, in order to be justified before God. The book of Acts, chapter 15, has to address this issue. Romans, chapter 4 and following, Paul dedicates a big portion of Romans to this issue. The human tendency to turn back to human efforts in order to be justified. The book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. Paul had to address it there. And then the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, had to address this same issue in that book. Because it's human tendency. In fact, here's what Paul says in Galatians 3, chapter 3, uh, verse 3. He says, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So this is not just a temptation for the Galatians. It is a temptation for all of us. We begin by the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes and lives in us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And then we continue the journey thinking that we have to perfect this journey by the flesh. By our own efforts. And Paul is saying that's not the gospel. We need to entrust ourselves from beginning to end. So the first application for you is that you must embrace this truth for yourself. But here's the second application, which is your obedience must be anchored to this truth. All right, we all know that obedience to Christ is a must in the Christian life. Amen? And you would love to be obedient. But we've got to get this straight. Right? Obedience is a result of our justification not the ground for our justification, right? We obey because we are justified through faith in Jesus Christ. We do not obey in order to be justified. And so here in this letter, Paul just talked about circumcision. But he says, if you entrust yourself to circumcision... Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now think about that for a moment. So it's not just about a little theology that you need to, 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 to adjust a little bit. He says, Christ will be of no advantage to you. If that's what you entrust yourself to. So obedience, brothers and sisters, is an abs absolute must, but we need to keep things straight. We obey because we are justified. We love Christ. We are, faith. we are justified through faith in Jesus Christ. We do not obey in order to be justified. That's the second application. But here's the third application. This is the message that we must take to the world. We all know the Great Commission. We all know that we've been given the the ministry of reconciliation. One of the songs we sang earlier that we were made to enjoy God forever was that message. And aren't you looking forward to that? Right? We are beginning already in this life to enjoy the Lord, our relationship with the Lord, peace with the Lord, comfort with the Lord. One day that will be completely perfect. We all look forward to that. We were made to enjoy God Forever, But the key to that enjoyment is justification through Jesus Christ, right? So if we are to love the world, the ultimate expression of our loving the world is to bring this message to the world, okay? And it's an important message because there are other competing messages that well-meaning people do try to bring to the world. The message of morality, 
the message of therapeutic message, addressing felt needs instead of what the ultimate spiritual need they have. Therapeutic message, or the prosperity message, or the, even the message of encouragement. There's nothing wrong with encouragement or want to encourage people, but that must not be our goal or our aim because they need the gospel. They need to understand that they need to have peace with God. Again, John 3.16, we're familiar with, but we need to be familiar with John 3.18 as well. Because here's what Jesus says in John 3.18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. I wonder how often we think of people in those terms. People who are condemned already. Not that they will be condemned, but they are condemned already because they do not believe in the only Son of God. So the greatest need that the world has today is the message of justification through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Goodness will not save them. Being a good person will not save them. The law will not save them. It is faith that will save them. Now, growing up in, as a Buddhist I, and, and as a Vietnamese, this message is very critical for us, even more so than here in the U.S., because Buddhism, the philosophy behind Buddhism is all about action. It's all about being good. It's all about your conduct. So you're, you think that you can be good through your conduct. It is also a shame-based culture. When you talk about a shame-based culture, you talk about action, conduct. And there's also a big influence on the Roman Catholicism as well, a big Roman Catholic population in Vietnam. So this message is very absolutely critical for us to bring to Vietnam. So brothers and sisters, the biblical mandate is very clear for you and me, for God's people, for God's church. But we need to be clear what that message is. Amen? We need to be clear what the gospel is. It is faith in Jesus Christ is what justifies a person. The other story that impacted me quite a bit in 2019, which ultimately led to this time, is of my, my returning to Vietnam as a missionary. It's a story or the, my brother, my brother died in 2019. He died in Atlanta. He was in, he lived in Fort Worth, Texas, but he had cancer. So he went to Atlanta to, to, to seek treatment. And while there, he rented a, uh, a place he and his wife, and our family got to visit him often. And they were hoping that he was, would uh, be healed, but it wasn't to be. So he turned 50 on his deathbed, and I was there. And I had the privilege of holding up the phone to his ear so that he could say bye to mom and dad. My mom and dad were in Tampa. They couldn't stand, my dad couldn't stand being by his side. It was just too painful. So they came and visited and then went back. And when it was time to go, I called mom up and 
I put the phone next to my brother's ear and we got to listen in to the conversation between my brother and mom and dad. And they said their goodbyes. But this, the last statements that my brother made to my parents were very different than the statements that me made to her parents. The last statements that my brother made to my parents were, I'm going to see you by Jesus' side. And it won't be long. And my mom and dad said the same thing. Goodbye, son. I'll see you soon. By Jesus' side. And what's the difference? The difference is my family heard the gospel. Me, she didn't hear the gospel. Her family still bowed down to altars at home. And I wish there was another text from me saying something similar to that. Mom, Dad, I'm going to see you soon in heaven by Jesus' side. But there wasn't. So, brothers and sisters, it is a joy for us to do this work together. We're taking the gospel to Vietnam. Taking the gospel to Vietnam. We need your prayer. So, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we in this room understand this text and embrace it. But we also know, Lord, that the whole world, that's a world that needs to know this truth. And I pray that you would help us, help Corning, help Gulf Coast Community Church, help the pastors in Vietnam here, Lord, to come together, partner together, and do the work that you've given us to do so that they too would believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.